0: Thanks for listening to the F1 Funcast. If you're looking for something to listen to that's a little less race car-y and a little bit more about everything else, check out the Just for Funcast, my new podcast that's launching on January 5th, where we discuss everything that's important to you in the modern world, from TV shows, movies, and games, to whatever else might be on your mind out there. Join me as we lift up your cause and we bring attention to the things that are important to you. So check it out, the Just for Funcast, wherever you find your podcasts. Are you in the Phoenix, Arizona area, the southwestern United States, or maybe, you know, you've just enjoyed a laugh or two in your time? Well, then I highly recommend checking out my friend, Josh Boyle, at JJB Comedy on Instagram for all your laughs in 2024. The world can be a very serious place sometimes, and he's there just to make it a little sillier. Check them out. I'm sure you'll have a great time. JJB Comedy on Instagram. Let's just welcome you right now to the F1 Funcast. It truly is
1: one of the greatest spectacles in racing. Absolutely
0: incredible. Your host for this podcast, Mr. Funcast himself, James Messer. We're watching history, and we might as well get on board. And the brains of the operation. Connor, the crew chief,
1: Gagnon. It takes a special kind of person to do what I do. And it's lights out and
0: away we go. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm James, that's Connor. It's 2024, and we have a lot to talk about in the Formula One world, so. I say we just jump on into it. No beating around the bush this year. What do you say over there, Connor?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's a pretty good way to start. Happy New Year's, everybody.
0: Yeah, Happy New Year's to everybody out there. This marks our our second calendar year here at the F1 Funcast. and uh, We didn't talk about this before, Connor, but it's just hitting me. I've got a fun... If you're ready to improvise with me a little bit. Do you have a Formula One New Year's resolution?
1: Formula One New Year's resolution?
0: Formula One F one resolution something, Ooh. something. I like for example, my resolution okay, this year for Formula One. My resolution is, I need to watch more practice. I watch the I watch the qualifing's. I watch the races. I need to watch a little bit more practice to kind of round out my F one weekends. And uh, if I if I have if I had a sub, um, a sub resolution, it might be to back off on the Red Bull hate just a tiny bit. <laughs>
1: just a tiny <laughs> nah, th- those, are my, those are my new year's resolution I think that's on start. everybody's resolution list.
0: Yeah, you know, you know. But uh just curious if you thought of anything for this year in F one that you're hoping you know, a way you might be a better fan, better podcaster, something that could be a resolution for you heading into twenty twenty four.
1: I think personally I think I just want to see myself um get better at the podcasting part of it um maybe do some more research for articles and things like that that i can uh, present on the podcast and do other things like that um
0: i think that's great i don't know yeah
1: i, I think i think that would probably be it and then i guess another resolution would be yeah kind of give more props to rebel because obviously they they deserve it as we've said countless times now has almost as if we're trying to uh amend what we said before. <laughs> and um Yeah, I, I think I think I go with those two. I think that's fantastic. I think
0: those are admirable goals and um I think with with our resolutions out of the way, why don't we take a look at uh twenty twenty four for the listeners yes. out there. Let's I mean, do that. What uh where would you like to start with the twenty twenty four season in terms of when you think of the new year what jumps right out at you? What gets you excited for 2024?
1: Um, I love looking at the dates for preseason testing and marking them down on a calendar. And by the looks of it, it's going to be February 21st to the 23rd in Bahrain. So that's not, you know, it's not too far away. I mean, the fr- the first the first race of the year is in the end of February, the last weekend of February going into March. So it's less than two months. That's a that's a pretty early start to the year. <laughs> it's it, awesome.
0: It is early. I was looking at that, and it feels like the, the off season is very short. You know, it feels like we just wrapped up, which yeah. is a good thing. You know, it's a good thing to get more of what you love. So, so here's here's a question for you. I, I, I'm on the okay. same page with you with the uh, with the testing, but I've <clears throat> when it comes to preseason testing, right? Is that all under the umbrella of the FIA because these teams have to be testing these cars all off-season, all winter long, right? They don't just roll up the first weekend and and start it up. So, what are they looking well, for that first weekend? Go
1: ahead. Sorry. No, no, you're fine. Um, so, the FIA controls testing in the whole program. Well, not necessarily the program itself, but they tell you when you can and when you can't test. Um, and, like, the three days of preseason testing that they have, um, to start the year, it used to be, like, a week and before that you could kind of run your car whenever you wanted. Um, and it's kind of backed off from that. Like, um, when you run your current car, you can only do, like, I think it's, like, 100 kilometers in total. Um, Well, I would say mileage, but that's very American to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you have like a hundred kilometers worth of distance that you can cover, um, with the current car under non-testing environment. Um, so like a like a photo shoot or something like that, you can only do up to a hundred kilometers. Uh, wow. So it's pretty restricted, it's, and you're not going to get a whole lot of data doing that. Um, that is restricted. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it was more of a – it was a way to kind of organize it in a way that all the teams had the same setup for it and they could all do it at the same time. Nobody's spending, you know, however extra money to fly out to wherever they want to test and do what they want, Sure. Um, which, I mean, it sounds pretty simple when i say it like that and it kind of is i mean it's just a way of them governing how much you test the car uh so you don't gain an unfair advantage
0: so that last weekend in february or the the first you know the first weekend of testing that's the first time they're really letting these cars rip um you know full go without that 100 kilometer restriction that really is the first time they let them out
1: well you saw like last year when ferrari did their Um, like a lot of these teams, what they'll do is they'll unveil the car. Um, and then, you know, either the same day or later on, they'll do a photo shoot out on a track like Silverstone or, um, a Fiorano for Ferrari, which is where they always are. Um, like we saw last year where they unveiled the car and then they immediately went out and drove it, but you're only allowed to do a certain amount of distance before you have to stop. Interesting. That is interesting. more. So it's more stuff like that is more of like a shakedown, anyways. And so it's like the first day or two of preseason testing, like preseason testing. You're not really getting a good sense of the raw pace of each car. You don't really. You're not going to see that until the end of the qualifying session on Saturday of the first race. Sure. But sure. It's it's more there just the have all the teams break break in the car find problems um bring updates to the car they want to change different parts around they have two or three different things like we saw a couple of years ago when mercedes brought out the zero pod design oh, boy. you know they had the first two days of testing with like normal looking side pods it looked pretty skinny um and then on the third day they just you know they break out the zero pod design and everybody's like whoa holy crap that's gonna be a fast car and huh. it wasn't they were fooled but <laughs> they were fooled. you know <laughs> they well, were very they, fooled
0: i guess the reason i'm asking is i saw a headline this week that red bull is actually the only team that's car did not pass 2024 crash test testing that happened this week have you did you see about this really yeah they i were, didn't see that they were being, uh, as the kids would say, they were roasted online a little bit as the only team who wow. did not pass the safety. I wish I had the article up in front of me, but that was the upshot was that they are uh, they're a little bit behind in terms of the at least which passing is, the safety crash.
1: Which is weird considering, I mean, you'd think that since October they could have been swat- swift, uh, swapped over to their uh, next year's car because they were so far ahead in both championships right i mean you'd think they would have this stuff nailed down unless they're like trying to cut weight to a point on one specific part whatever it failed on um where there's just not enough strength there anymore and they just need to go back and reinforce it and it'll be fine but yeah Yeah. that's uh that's that's a little weird it's not really what, what you want to hear unless you're not a Red Bull fan. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it up right here. the The
0: headline is "Big blow to Max Verstappen and company as Red Bull becomes the only failure in the entire grid at recent FIA tests." So, I mean, for everybody who's looking wow. for some weakness heading into 2024, out of uh, Red Bull, that could be could be the first misstep of the year. I mean, you know, they could just it could be something they just need to straighten out and yeah right right it's no big deal but it's
1: kind of kind of like i said maybe they were just looking to cut weight somewhere and they just took a little bit too much strength out of the part and that's why it failed and now they're just gonna revise it a little bit and it'll be good to go
0: sure and but but for a team that was so flawless in their execution for the past you know two years yeah it's interesting to see that i thought that they were the only very
1: interesting Yeah. Especially when they had, you know, like I, like I was just saying, they had such a head start and they could focus on next year's car. Well, this year's car, um, way early in
0: the season. This year's car. That's a good point. I keep thinking of next year, but we are, we are in 2024. These are this year's cars We're we're talking about. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, I've been trying to do a little bit on the, um, on the Instagram. I've been trying to put a rolling every day, a different car, a different team that announced their, uh their car yes. reveal we're we're going to try to have that kind of rolling on our Instagram it's, so people can see when they're all coming out. I think February 5th is the first one, it's going to be Williams, which is like right around the corner.
1: Yes, and I'm I'm excited for that and honestly it's I don't I don't know how to feel about these car launches anymore because you know, I know some of them are the real car and you know, teams will show what they actually have whereas Red Bull will bring just like the demo car with a different paint job sure and it's didn't, not not the actual car until you see it at testing i think mclaren um,
0: last year brought a car with like no floor you know there because they didn't want anyone to yeah. look at their floor design so they just put a yep. standard floor on you're right it is a little bit of a tease and kind of not authentic the authentic car, but it's still I, at least I like I would
1: love to see one of these car launches, though, like in person. I would love to go to one at some point. Um, I know just... last year Red Bull had the one that was in New York, um, and so did Alphatari. Um, but I'm kind of glad I didn't go to the one for Red Bull because that was the one where it was just like last year's car or like a demo car, and it was really more of just like a hey, like let's the Beginning of the season is around the corner. Let's celebrate it and unveil last year's car. <laughs> maybe, yeah.
0: Maybe check out a livery change or something, but not. Yeah, yeah. I know what which you mean. never changes. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's interesting you brought up Alphatari, though, because <clears throat> as I was getting ready here, Alphatari is going to relaunch itself completely this year, right? They're going to be yes, new name, but nobody knows yet. Nobody knows what it's going to be. Is that true? They're still nope. teasing it.
1: I think they are still teasing it. And did, I don't know if you saw all the, the craziness that happened with what was formerly Alfa Romeo when they changed their name. No. Um, it was something crazy and long and didn't make any sense. I think it was like like,
0: oh, I did Alfa see Romeo,
1: Team, Stake. Sauber F1 team or something like, it was like something ridiculous <laughs> and they were just getting roasted for it online and it was like all the comments were like you couldn't have picked a longer name if you tried and this is this doesn't really roll off the tongue now does it <laughs> um, <laughs> and so not like a week later they said well they, they made a post that was essentially saying well, that wasn't actually our the real team name Wait until January first for the real name and <laughs> now it's just stake F one team. Just so. kidding. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Joe Granu, Alpha Romeo, Steak team. You guys really thought that was the real name? You yeah. suckers.
0: <laughs> when
1: really they're just backpedaling and uh yeah, right. just playing exactly. defense. They, right. they, the marketing team was like, Oh yeah, actually, you know what? That was a terrible decision. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's fix that.
0: Imagine that you spend all off season, or you spend a year coming up with that new team name, and you hit you hit send on that tweet, and you're just getting completely blasted immediately.
1: Unbelievable. (laughs) I will say though that I am excited for their new colors though because if we're going by what the post looks like, um, it's going to be black and like lime green, which is going to look phenomenal. I think. Oh. Depending on how they depending on how they execute it, um. But I think it could be a very good looking Formula One car, depending. Oh, I like that color scheme. But You're right. I guess yeah. we'll have to wait and see, huh? We will. We'll have to wait until they launch.
0: And um like you said, they might even still be teasing it out a little bit at their launch. Although I think with a new branded a new brand team, they might be more eager to show you what they've really got going on than a team like Red Bull who's trying to hold its cards. You know, you want that you want that big splash, you want that big headline.
1: Well Well the if, thing with Well, Sauber. I'm just going to say Sauber. Sauber. Um, Okay. But the thing with them is that they're changing the Audi. Is it next year or 2026? I think the official change happens next year. I know they're officially in 2026, but I can't ever remember if they're actually coming into the fold next year or not. But it's not like they're going to be around for very long. So they really could have just, you know, they could have named it like Racy McRace Car and <laughs> I think you would have gotten the same kind of response, you know? McRace Car, yeah. I mean, it's true. You're not...
0: <laughs> that, you know, that's the interesting thing about Formula One and the and the changes of names and the constant sponsorship changes. It is hard to um, keep up. If you're a fan, let's say you're a fan of what was Alpha Romeo last year. Now you've got, you know, a new team name, new merchandise, new colors, and then it's going to change again in two years. It's a little bit much in terms of you know like you think about other sports and some teams haven't changed their name or their uniform in a hundred years and uh with some of these f1 teams it seems like every other year they're they're called something it wasn't too long ago alpine was force india and uh Renault haas was Renault. you know and it just it changes so quickly that it can be head spinning sometimes but yeah that's that's part of the life of it i suppose and
1: it's just yeah, if you're, it really is when you think about it
0: so if you're an alpha, so it's Alfa Romeo that's going to become Audi, is that right?
1: Yes, that, Alfa Romeo Sauber is going to become Audi when they join the sport, whether it's 2025 or 2026. So um, if you're a
0: 20, if you're a current Alfa Romeo fan, though, I mean, wouldn't you hold your hold your dollars till the Audi branding comes out? Wouldn't you kind of wanna yes. buy, buy that Audi T-shirt or that like? It's tough having that stopgap branding where. You know, merchandise and I don't know. I just think branding is so important with any team or any organization and flipping team names so often. It's it's tough. Absolutely.
1: Um, But I think the biggest thing for me is that we're going to lose the the Sauber name, which has been in the sport for decades now. Mm. Um, It's kind of – they haven't ever been, you know, a a really successful team in their time in Formula 1, but they're one of the very well-known – teams um privately they had been you know privately owned privately funded um it was a good racing name Sauber and yeah I, I think you know when Audi comes in we're going to be losing a little bit of that sure but sure we're also replacing Sauber with Audi which is a motorsport giant so it's kind of you know it it equals out I think sure
0: Yeah, it's it's maybe a matter of preference and taste. Um, Yeah, but so let's let's looking back at that. We we've got to the testing here, but is there anything that jumps out at you on the schedule once we get once we get underway here in the twenty twenty four season? Like I'm looking at China in early in mid April, and I'm I'm excited for that race. It's it'll be new. I I am too. Yeah, I. I know you are. I know you like that race, and you've kind of got me researching it a little bit lately, and I'm looking forward to it. I think that's got potential for being a highlight of the season, and, you know, it'll be week four or week five. Like, I don't know. I, I'm hoping by China, maybe we've got a team other than Red Bull at the top of the podium. And uh, But anyway, that's my looking at the schedule. I'm interested in China. Not a lot of changes. Uh, Vegas at the end of the year should be fun again, but anything that jumps out at yep. you um, in terms of the schedule?
1: Well, I don't know if you noticed, but the races are pretty shuffled around from how they have been in recent years, or actually ever. Um, like Ch- Japan's very early in the year, and China follows it. I think they're... I-, I know what they're trying to do is part of like their new like eco-friendly travel plan um, because I think last year they did what they went like Qatar to Vegas all the way back over to Abu Dhabi it just made no sense and it was kind of like here there and everywhere wasting you know wasting fuel effectively is what the, right. the cause of this thing is um, to go from here there and everywhere but what they've done now is they've made it more like regionalized So it looks like, you know, we do China, United States, Italy, Monaco, Canada, which is the traditional swing, Um, and then Spain. And then we have, like, towards the middle of the season, it's just a whole bunch of European races. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think it's great. I think it's a great idea. Um, And I'm excited to see how it is because I know that, you know, there's always people saying oh well they should do this race earlier in the year if they want to avoid the weather or you know change the time of the year so it doesn't get affected by monsoons and you know uh, i i think that what they're doing is smart and it's going to be interesting to see these different tracks at different times of the year
0: yeah i think that's a really good point as i'm looking at it now it goes like they go to uh to texas then mexico brazil vegas like they all stay you know in this hemisphere and kind of north and central america i think that makes a lot of sense especially formula one has been so outwardly conscious about their their carbon footprint and a lot of what they're doing is trying to cut down on emissions on the race weekend so why not cut down emissions on the travel i think that makes good sense
1: yeah absolutely I, i mean i don't know if you noticed but uh azerbaijan is in september as opposed to being one of the first like five races of the year oh yeah okay so it's it, been moved down the schedule so that's gonna shake things up a little i don't know it's it's gonna be interesting to see um where, where were how they the schedule last plays year. into it
0: where were they last year where they were the heat was killing them was that cutter was
1: that um yeah that was that yeah, was that yeah, was cutter that's Qatar, gonna be the Qatar. same cutter
0: same time of year again i guess huh Looks like November, December, but yeah, interesting. That is interesting, and I wouldn't have noticed that, but now that I'm looking at the schedule, you know, on one page here, it's all it kind of flows nicely instead of jumping around the globe. Like um, I
1: like it. Yeah, that is interesting. I think I think it's a good idea. I think it is good for the sport, and uh, yeah, I I mean, for those that are environmentally and conscious, this is going to be. Another attention grabber it might actually make you want to watch the sport that's trying to be more eco-friendly and, you know, not to diss on Formula E at all because <laughs> that that's a cool sport in its own right. But, I mean, those are glorified go-karts that I could go to the, like a, a local karting indoor karting place and drive, you know.
0: Speaking of which, if you ever want to come in second place, let me know. We can meet up for some go-karting if you want to see what second uh, that, place feels like.
1: I I never finish second <laughs> place in go karts. I promise you that. <laughs> third, third or worse, huh? <laughs> I'll 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 be wearing my Michael Schumacher jersey, my Michael Schumacher shirt, and all you're going to see is a number one on the back of it. The yeah. entire race. <laughs> well,
0: we'll have to put that on the schedule for 2024 <laughs> too. Maybe we'll pop that in there. Uh, when oh, we try hey, to get you know together.
1: if if we if we make it to a race together, maybe we can find a local karting track and go for it.
0: I'm hoping that would be great. There's a few of them out here and it just look they look like everyone's having a great time anytime I go check them out. I haven't I haven't done it myself yet, but carding just looks like everyone's having a good time. Although I feel like I'd be the the oldest heaviest guy there just kind of uh you know ruining it for the kids, smacking their soft drinks out of their hands and getting all you know too intense about it, but
1: it could be getting uh, all fired up, screaming "You suck!" in their faces as you're as you're walking by them. Some kid's seventh birthday party <laughs> ruined by this guy. In a, he's in a full F one
0: gear. Yeah, uh, I can see it. Uh, um, what else in twenty twenty four? The driver lineups are pretty locked in, huh? It doesn't seem like we've yes, had yes, they turmoil. they
1: are very locked in. I think the the only thing that we have to think about is going towards the end of next season we're going to, have to start thinking about you know where norris is going to go is sergeant going to keep his seat um is perez going to keep his seat is ricardo going to replace perez um i know verstappen is interested in other forms of motorsport so who knows when he'll just decide i just want to do something else and he'll walk away and so, so if it's going that. to be if he walks
0: away, yeah. is that the equivalent of Michael Jordan going to play baseball, or will he just dominate wherever he goes in motorsport? You know, like um, if he were to go to, I
1: think, I think it would be the equivalent of like Michael Jordan going to play in like China. You know, okay, it's he would be going to a different motorsport, and which is, I think, a fantastic idea. I I love when. Drivers from different disciplines try out other categories. Um, so, like you know, IndyCar drivers swapping seats with somebody in NASCAR, or Formula One swapping with NASCAR, or these Formula One guys going to endurance races and trying their hand at that with a GT car or a prototype. It's it's fun to see that stuff. Like uh, Kimi Räikkönen, after he he re- he left the sport in two thousand nine. And he was doing rallying for a little bit. Um, he did rallying. He had a short stint in NASCAR. And, you know, he just tried other other disciplines. And I think that's fantastic to see. A true love of racing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, I guess to just really answer your question is there's a few heads that are maybe on the chopping block. We'll have to see how Stroll does this year. Um Obviously, the Haas lineup might be still solid, which is good. Does Science go to a different team um, if he becomes unhappy? It's going to be an interesting end of the year as far as the contract talks go, but obviously we're still in the beginning of this year, so we're not there yet.
0: You say end of the year, and the one thing in my mind, I feel like if Red Bull's going to make a move this year, it's going to be – quickly. I feel like, yes. and it, I could be wrong, but it feels like they were kind of at the end of their patience by the end of last season, and if Red Bull is going to make a move, I don't think they're going to want another year of speculation. They might just pull the plug or make the change early in the year, you know, like telling Sergio, look, this is, you've got a short leash, and I don't know contractually or the mechanisms behind how you could do that, but I feel like other teams, they might wait, but I feel like Red Bull is like, ready to ready to make a change even now. Like they're not going to do it before the season yeah. starts, but they might be ready, you know, by the time we get to China, if Sergio isn't well, performing, you know,
1: I, th- I think we've seen, uh, rebels say that they're going to give him until the summer break next year. Okay. Oh, All right. This, fair. this year to, um, prove his metal and, um, show that he can, you know, even if he doesn't compete with Verstappen, at least be the rear gunner and, um, be the number two and get podiums and score a ton of points and not have so many errors like he had last year that really put him on the hot seat. Um, that's the
0: key. That's the key. And he's Yeah, it's
1: definitely the key.
0: And he's such a street legend that, you know, you'd like to see him scoop up some more points on traditional tracks. That would probably – Oh, I'm yeah. I'm sure Red Bull's looking forward to that because, you know, he won Miami and he did well in Monaco. And, you know, it, it's just – it's so up and down with Sergio and Red Bull. I just feel like they don't have too much more patience. But the summer break yeah. makes sense. The summer break does make sense. Well,
1: well, Red Bull's historically very ruthless with their driver changes and they have no problem uh, replacing a driver mid-season or partway through the season if they need to. It's because they 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 have an expectation there. They, they want to win. They expect, you know, if you're not going to be Max Verstappen you at least have to finish second especially if they give you a car that's that good. Um sure. So, you know, there's a certain expectation I think that follows being one of those drivers and being especially being a number 2 driver at Red Bull. Um right. Right.
0: Yeah. There's there's a higher level of expectation. Um do you think do you think looking into 2024 do you see so 2023 was just Max Verstappen all over the all over the board. Do you see any other race winners in 2024 besides Max? Anybody you'd like to see well, scoop up a win or make that progress to the next level?
1: Well, I know you know McLaren was coming on strong towards in the second half of that last year. Uh, I'd like to see them continue their upward swing, mm. you know, be more of a consistent fighter at the top and not start to sl- uh, slide back down into the midfield. Um, hopefully that wasn't just like a one-off thing last year. Um, yeah, I'd love to see. see Lando. I'd also like to see – I oh, yeah, I'd love to see Lando get a win.
0: You know, I just feel like that would be and, – and he seems like the guy that's that's due for the breakthrough in, in 2024. But, again, the, yeah. car, the car has to be there and the team has to be there. But Lando Norris seems like he should be – uh, it's so hard to break through the Red Bulls but it seems like he should be ready to pick up his first career win I don't know maybe I'm crazy
1: well do you think I know that piastri being his rookie teammate last year and he got the sprint the win in the sprint um do you think that he feels maybe a little under under pressure because it's it's one thing when you have total control of the team and you're the clear number one driver but then you have a teammate that comes gunning at you, as every teammate does. I mean, nobody wants to be the number two driver, you know? Um, So, I think it's... I think it would be interesting to see, with all the Red Bull rumors that have been swirling around Norris, that if he doesn't feel comfortable at McLaren anymore, does he go to Red Bull?
0: Well, see, that's, that's so interesting to think about, because... If you don't feel comfortable at McLaren anymore because your teammate's breathing down your neck, why make the jump to a team with the best driver in the world? You know, I understand the pedigree of the team, but you go there and become the number two. Where at McLaren, you're worried about becoming the number two. It's just an interesting... I mean, maybe being two to Max Verstappen is a lot better than... Being chased closely yeah. by Oscar Piastri, right? But
1: I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't see any benefit in any driver going to Red Bull because it's not like you're going to dethrone Verstappen. I mean, that's he, he's their kid now. You know, it's like a Red Bull's like a protective mother with right. Verstappen. They're not going to let anybody really get too close to him. You know. Right. Um,
0: and I could totally see Oscar Piastri coming out at the start of the year, really pressuring Norris and making that. And so that relationship can go one of two ways where they push each other and they flourish together or the the garage gets a little bit divided. And um, we've seen what happens in those situations, too. So I, I, think, they're, I think Piastri and, and Norris get along and they seem to be, you know, teammates that enjoy racing next to each other. But I just wonder if as they kind of mature and start chasing wins rather than points, if that changes, you know. It's it's, yeah. it's tough because they've been chasing points all this time. I don't think there was much expectation last year to win a race. I think it was to to finish as high as you could. But McLaren's got to be heading into twenty twenty four hoping to win a race. I mean,
1: oh one hundred percent they
0: should be with with the way the l- last season ended and all the momentum and the drivers they have. They they've got to have their eyes on a couple a couple wins this year but I would uh, think so. But from who, you know, and and, and it's fascinating yeah. how those relationships kind of change over the years and change over time. It's very interesting. Well,
1: speaking of relationships changing over time, uh, is Hamilton going to find the top step of the podium again this year?
0: Uh, well, you know, it feels like the big hurdle to that is, is Mercedes going to give him a car that can get him there. You know, um, I think his performance hasn't, dropped to the point where the answer is a no but if mercedes
1: i don't think so either
0: if if they keep giving him a you know a a car that just it takes the first six races to even figure out you know how to get it through a race i'm not sure i'm not sure because the one thing about lewis hamilton is i think he gets easily frustrated when things aren't perfect because you know to be a champion you're a perfectionist in these last couple years mercedes is really uh really rolled the dice with their car set up and their their design and I just I I hope that they come out <clears throat> and Mercedes has a competitive car. If they do, and if they have something along the lines of McLaren, Ferrari, you know, in that group, maybe they can pull out a win, but you come out with some kooky, crazy designs where you think you're smarter than everybody and it really sets you back for ten weeks. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's hard to say. They that's the problem, is they seem to think they're smarter than everybody else and they're gonna you know redesign the wheel when really they've just got to be you know finding more time in their car instead of trying to redesign the entire thing i don't it just seems like they're not doing any favors
1: i think there's something to be said about thinking too far outside the box and i think that's kind of what they did with their zero pod concept i mean on paper in In the flesh, it looks like it would be a great idea when you think about it. I mean, you're reducing the amount of drag that you have coming over the top of the car, and you're giving the floor a better chance to get downforce by cleaning up the the top side as well as what goes underneath. And, you know, from a visual standpoint, it looks like it would make sense, but they could never get it into a range of ride height that would work for it. And they were battling... Uh, porpoising all the entire 22, 22 season. Um, and then they said at the end of that year, oh, well, we, we understand what our flaw was. And then they came back last year and had this the same concept. <laughs> Too smart they for their own good. They just painted it black. Yeah. And then, it, like you said, like it took them like six races. It wasn't until Monaco where they decided, oh, we need to change this iPods. This is clearly not working. After a like a year and a quarter of errors and fails, it just wasn't working. But right, they, right. I mean, I, I guess I have to give props to them for trying to stick you know, stick to their guns with it. And obviously, they were seeing something in the data that we weren't. But I mean, even Lewis was saying we need to switch the concept of this car. I mean, it's just it's clearly not working. Well, and that's I don't know why we stuck with it.
0: That's what's scary for this. So. Girl. Is that. Yeah, keep, because they, they said the
1: same thing this offseason. They said, "Oh well, if we're gonna we're gonna switch the car concept, and it's gonna be something totally different." Which, in one hand, okay, that's good that you guys are gonna be switching your car concept from what wasn't working, and maybe it's an evolution of what we saw last year or something closer to the Red Bull. But on the other hand, if it's so much different again, now you're starting from way behind. Yeah, you spent two on years something falling behind, unproven.
0: Right, right. You're two years behind the development of, instead of just, you know, not saying you need to follow the pack, but looking at what's working and, and kind of, yeah, of course. going that way. Now you're, your big right. innovations might have been discovered by Red Bull or Ferrari, you know, 18 months ago. And it's it's tricky. It's very tricky. But uh, what, about the, what about the Ferrari lineup? What do you anticipate in, in 2021 for the Tafosi uh, fans out there?
1: Well... It was encouraging at the end of the year, seeing them perform the way they did from Monza onwards. They always seemed like they had kind of one foot in the door Mm -hmm. to beating Red Bull. Um, Like I I think they were getting better at tire management and they weren't overheating the tires, especially the rears. That was kind of their big thing at the start of the year. Um, They were just chewing through the rear tires and they didn't have the race pace because of that because they couldn't make the tires last. Um, but at the end of the year, they've seemed to have figured that out, and they figured out what was working, what wasn't, and they were able to fix it to some degree. And that's when we really started to see the, the true pace of that Ferrari, especially at Vegas. I mean, for as much I. I guess as much props as we give rebel for having that straight line speed advantage all season long for the Ferrari to hang in there the way it did on the straights and really like just actually, actually like give these two rebels a menace the entire race and give them a problem. That was pretty encouraging to see that. And we saw the same thing at Mazda too, where the Ferrari was actually very quick in the straight line. And I think it's if they can develop their package a little bit better, um, you know, whether they evolve the design they currently have or they change it more towards a Red Bull type side pod or maybe a blend of like the Aston Martin side pod or the Alpine side pod where it's got that big channel in it um, or maybe the McLaren side pod. Who knows? It seems like there's a few different options that they could go with. Um, but I was encouraging to see it. The engine obviously has the power behind it. It's now just getting the package that surrounds it together, and they should be okay. I think they're switching up the rear suspension a little bit. Um, they're going to give it some better airflow through the back and to the diffuser. The same with the front suspension. I think they are also changing the wishbone setup. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm Obviously, I'm cautiously optimistic being a Ferrari fan but I I'm optimistic because it was a strong end of the year and they really gave rebel some fits on the high, on the high speed tracks where everybody expected rebel to just walk away from everybody and uh yeah that's pretty encouraging to see
0: yeah I think I think you're right on about that with uh with Ferrari kind of closing that gap and really showing themselves as the number two contender I think in terms of overall performance last year um, you know I know Mercedes finished a little bit ahead in the points but uh, Ferrari was closing that gap at the end of the year with Red Bull and I'm curious if you think that um, that gave Red Bull something to think about heading into the off season, or if it's just you know stay the course and I, I, guess, I guess my question is do you think the gap is closing or do you think that that was just a uh, matter of Red Bull hadn't upgraded their car since halfway through the season, and you know they're still light years ahead. Or do you think the gap is closing to the rest of the to the rest of the field heading into the new year? I think
1: the I think the gap will close a little bit. How much I have no idea because like we were just saying, they didn't bring any upgrades to the car for the last half of the year, and if they did, it was a very minimal one. It wasn't anything major um so it seemed like they were all focused on this year's car um which is kind of scary to think about but yeah i i, I don't know i <laughs> you can't tell till you see I, him I've, on
0: on the track really yeah
1: exactly like, like i said you don't really know the true status quo until we get to q3 on saturday at bahrain
0: and see with my resolution i'll be watching i'll be getting ready i'll be watching every practice I'll be keeping my New Year's resolution, watching every every turn this year. <laughs> I've got nothing to do but watch Formula One, and uh, I, I'm going to be doing that all all uh, spring long. No,
1: no, I got to ask you. Okay, um, if you could change the qualifying format, what what do you think you would do? Do you like how it is now? Do you want them to change it up a little bit? I know it's it's been the same since 2006, so. Okay you know, it's not necessarily like, it's not, it's not broken, but uh, it would be nice to see them switch it up a little bit in some way. And also I got to ask you about the sprints, but we'll get to that in a a minute.
0: So the qualifying I think is okay. I think the qualifying, you you could tweak it. You know, you hear about reverse grids and things like that, but I find it entertaining. I'm entertained by the qualifying. I'm entertained on a Saturday watching, especially Q3, you know, um, I suppose too many teams are just always Q1 and done, which is kind of a bummer for those teams. But yeah. I, I think the setup currently does kind of get the best result in terms of the best card to the front and their <laughs> slowest cards to the back. And, I mean, if that's what you want, if you want your pole sitter to be the, the fastest lap of the weekend, I, I, don't know, I don't know if changing anything is really – are you artificially creating competition or – you know, I don't know. I, I enjoy watching qualifying. I like the knockout format. Um, I'm not sure what other ideas would be out
1: there besides a reverse grid. Do you have something in mind? Is there some, so something I've thought a lot about and I've, I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before. And I think I've also seen Alonzo mention this in one of his interviews. So Shout out to Fernando Alonso if you ever hear this because I kind of had the same thought as you. Friend of the Um, podcast, Fernando Alonso. But but you have the first two qualifying sessions just as they are. Um, But Q3 is a one-shot qualifying where it's run in reverse order in the top 10. So if you – and what I mean by that is the higher you qualify in in Q2 – in the top 10, the later you go in the top 10 shootout, which in theory should give you the best possible uh, track conditions because there's going to be more rubber laid down, the track's going to be hotter or cooler, whatever's going to work better. Um, and you get the added drama of it's all or nothing, one shot, one lap. And if you make a mistake, it's actually a mistake as opposed to these guys who do two laps or two real flying laps um, in Q3 where if you make a mistake on your first one, it's like, oh, okay, well, it's a little extra pressure for the next one, but at least, you know, I get to go back to the pits, put on fresh tires and go for it again. Whereas if you do make a mistake and it costs you a couple of tenths a second, it actually really matters.
0: Sure. No, That I mean, so that sounds like you really ratchet up the drama on Q3 on Saturday. You're really, I mean, you're white knuckling it. I think it would be fun. It would be fun. Um, The purists are going to say, well, it's kind of a gimmick, right? They're going to say you shouldn't. Not yeah, but
1: position. they used to do one-shot qualifying before 2006. That was the way to go. You do an out-lap, a flying lap, and an in-lap. And that was whatever time you had, that's your time.
0: And, and let me tell you, from playing F1 video games, the the one-lap qualifying is the bane of my existence because it's
1: it's brutal, an anxiety
0: attack. Sure, and I kind of like that. I hadn't thought of that idea. I do kind of like it. I just you're going to have all sorts of people sitting on pole all year. Which then, what effect does that have on the race on Sunday? Not too much, I suppose.
1: Right. Well, if you think about if you think about it this way, um, if you if a driver does make a mistake on that flying lap, it drops him down the order. Right. Right. You know, it's not it's not a guaranteed pole. You know, if you do make that mistake or if you do spin. Um, then yeah, you're gonna probably start tenth, you know.
0: And then there's a you've got to fight, yeah. So if Max,
1: yeah, and then you, then you've actually got to fight through the pack, and like we've seen before with the with the Mercedes, where it was such a dominant car, but as soon as you got it out into the pack or into the midfield, it had a lot of trouble passing cars. Yeah,
0: I like I like it. I think it really would change the first third of the race too. You'd have a lot of Instead of Max Absolutely or whoever great. driving off into the sunset, you'd have you'd have real real drama. And you'd going. have
1: some of the f- and if you do have a couple of guys that make mistakes, you know you have them coming through the field, and that's always entertaining. And I guess the only downside to this kind of a format is that if it is like a mixed weather condition, where the first say four or five guys in the top ten. They do their laps on a dry track, but the guys that go last are on a wet track or an interchangeable condition track, and kind of vice versa. It can go either way, but sure. I guess that's kind oh, that's of just the point. roll of the dice.
0: That's that's sport, right? That's that's part of the, part yeah, of the right? game. Yeah, I, you know what? I like it. I like it. I'm going to get behind it. Um, I think that's a pretty good idea, and I think it would really help the the start of these races where – in 2023, at least after Turn One, Max was so far gone that the race was—you know—he had the pole, but maybe he doesn't have the pole in this situation, and he—he's got to fight his way past all those. Yeah, I like it. I do like it. I have to say. I mean, I don't have a big beef with qualifying as it is, but that does seem like uh, yeah a way to I get some d- more action. Either, but yeah, it, it does seem yeah, like it'll get more action. L- in l- the like,
1: racing. like you said, more action, and that's kind of all we want, right?
0: Well, look at Las Vegas. That was an action-packed race, and that was a lot of fun.
1: It was a fantastic race. That's
0: a good point. That's for a good for point.
1: all the hate that that race was getting, well, also kind of rightfully so, but it was possibly the best race of the year. Um, I think so. Now, all right, so let's switch our gears here. Let's talk about the sprint format, because I know it's, like we mentioned, I think in our last episode, the it's going to be its own championship, and... Yeah, I, I, I don't know how I feel about that. I like the way that it was the first year that we were doing it where the sprint race decided the grid for Sunday. Right, and, right. And, you know, I, I, I like that. It really shook up the order a little bit. Um, It wasn't, you know, for the most part, it was pretty much the same. But you did have the occasions where it did mix up the grid, and it created some really exciting racing especially being a sprint and how just action-packed a sprint can be it just up the ante a little bit and it added a little bit of uh what's what's the word significance to the sprint right so what do you mean it's going to be its own championship
0: these sprint races are going to be their own thing now like you're going to win the sprint championship at the end of the year yep and are the points exactly. do, are, are you still collecting points for the regular constructors championship tour or is this like its own uh, I hadn't heard I about think, this
1: I think for the constructors championship yes I don't know about the actual drivers championship I think they're going to be separated um, uh, I have to double check on that It has been a minute since I've read up on it but I don't like that yeah. I don't like that I don't like it is going to be its own championship you know I I like the sprint
0: I think, it's, I think it is fun. I like knowing I've got a 45-minute race to sit down and watch. I like, But you know what I hated about it this year was it really messed me up with my... I thought I was sitting down to watch qualifying for Sunday, and it was actually sprint race qualifying, and then the sprint is on, and it's not... It just kind of throws a wrench into the weekend, which I guess is my own issue. I could just plan better. But the sprints yeah. make for a really weird weekend of fun watching because... It's not always exactly clear which qualifying is on first. And this, you really look like, you know, I'll scroll through and it'll say, uh, you know, Formula One qualifying. And it's, is it the sprint? Is it Sunday? What am I watching? What is this about? And <laughs> it, it did mess me up. Maybe because a lot of these happen where I am on the West Coast at like 3.30 in the morning. So it's a little strange. Yeah. But as far as the sprint itself, I mean, I, I think it makes for a fun weekend. I think it makes for kind of a just anytime you can mix it up a little bit but i don't like the idea of it being its own championship i i like that it kind of augmented the weekend in general in those points or like you said for the for the qualifying i thought that was pretty good but the idea of it being its own thing i don't know if that's gonna nobody's nobody's tuning in to watch the sprint championship you know I well, I
1: mean, it it is a little weird, but I guess it's their own way of bringing some sort of relevance to it, and you know, up in the ante, it's not just for nothing anymore, right? In a way, right? I, I know that they were they had drivers' championship points before, but it felt a little weird. Verstappen winning the championship on a Saturday at a sprint race instead of on Sunday when it should have been—that's true. That is um, true. You know.
0: Yeah, I forgot that's how that went down this year. Yeah, that is that's a very good point. That it, but there's got to be some other way to make it relevant. You know, it's gotta there's got to be some for qualifying or you know, or maybe they could get wacky with the sprint races, right? Maybe that's where we do a reverse grid or we do qualifying, like you were mentioning, kind of like baseball, like test it out in the smaller scale, and if it works out, move it up to the to the Sunday race, but. I, I do. Yeah, I,
1: and, I, and I think that that's what they were doing with the sprint race too because I know Formula 2 does the sprint races and I think that's really where the idea came from was, oh, well, maybe we can take a page from that book and everybody seems to like the sprint race and then the feature race format and let's try it in Formula 1. And it, and it To its credit, it, it has worked. I think it's a great addition, but I just think that they need to spend a little bit more time uh, playing around with what they want to do with it and how to organize it and the you know what it goes towards and not just make it its own separate championship and saying oh well we fixed the problem with duct tape effectively
0: now, is a sprint race is that something you would want to attend or do you feel like absolutely you think so you'd want to go to check out a sprint oh yeah
1: 100 i would if i was able to i'd Go to every session on a race weekend. That's a good I point. Just spend the whole day at the track. I mean, that's just that's just how I am. I guess. Sure. Um, sure. But, and, I, I mean, the alternative to that is, you go, buy like a two day ticket and you go for Saturday's qualifying in FP three and then the race on Sunday, because not everybody wants to see, the practice sessions on a Friday where it's just. They're dialing in their setups. They're doing long fuel runs and getting their race trim setups all good to go. And it's not as action-packed as it could be. And it's kind of the same with with um, the winter testing or you know the preseason testing, where that's really just the dial in your car. It's the same thing on a Friday practice session. It's just sure. dialing in the car for the specific circuit, and then on Saturday, that's when they start full sending it right right yeah i think
0: i i mean going to a whole weekend would be my kind of thing too I, you're right i think It'd that would be awesome practice session you're there really just to see the cars and to say you saw them and the drivers and everything but then qualifying and race that's you know a dream maybe something that happens in 2024 for us uh maybe we'll see we'll see
1: well speaking of that if if you could go to any race this year which one would you want to go to
0: if I could go to any race in 2024, that's yep. a really interesting question because it takes in a lot of travel, doesn't it? Like, yeah, the
1: race and then the place. Um, yes. So, well, hmm. give me, like, what's the what's the one that would be realistic and then your ideal? So, realistically
0: for me, proximity-wise, I'd say going to Vegas would be pretty great after what I saw this year. Hmm. I think... I think yes. um, the the issue is I'd have to take out a mortgage to go to get a <laughs> ticket, but but it looks like a good time. It looks like a good environment. It's you know a few hour drive for me. It's not that far, so I feel like realistically Vegas someday. You know if we if I ever make any money, uh, but the but the the pie in the sky for me, I think I don't know what it is, but something about watching Albert Park in Australia last year. I just feel like that's my kind of vibe that's my kind of weekend down yeah. there a lot of a lot of tailgating a lot of partying
1: good people that would be a fun race to go to you
0: know i just for whatever reason that one stuck out at me last year when i watched it and it sticks out at me when i think about environments where it looked like wow that looks like a good time and maybe it's because i've yeah. got the american mindset of like a tailgater you know and it looks like that's kind of what they're doing because <laughs> some of these I are think in that a city would definitely be the vibe for you there <laughs> yeah what about you where would you want to where would you want to go this year
1: so, in terms of distance and just ease of getting to, it had to be Montreal. I mean, I could get there in five hours by car if I wanted to. Um, it's a beautiful, yeah, ideal beautiful city world. Too. Yeah. I, I would love to go there. I it's It's been on my list for a long time to go to Montreal. Um, not just because it's closest, because, like, I, you know, growing up playing all the Formula One games, and that was always one of my favorite tracks to drive. And,. Uh, I always wanted to just go and see the track and see the cars going around that track. So, yeah, why not? It especially helps that it's close or close enough. So, Right. Um, right. And for ideal, I would, you know, I have to say, you know, either Monza or Silverstone. And I say those two because they're kind of the heartbeat of the sport two of the most storied tracks and the most historic ones uh, the atmosphere is always present at both of those events sure. and yeah I I would just love to go to Monza being a Ferrari fan but also Silverstone just because it's a fantastic racing circuit and the crowd is always so amped up because Hamilton and Russell um, yeah. Those those would be the two I would want to go to. Well, but ideal, that's the in an ideal world. Realistically, Montreal. I'll come see you this year, maybe.
0: Well, as they say on Family Feud, good answer, good answer. I like that answer. <laughs> I think uh, it's up on the board, Steve. It's up on the board. <laughs> um, you know, we've talked privately about Montreal too, and hopefully, within the next year or two, we can put together uh, an outing to go up there. That would be something. Be I would
1: love to. Yeah, you know, and you can you can fly over here, and you and I can carpool up to Montreal. Unbelievable. It would be do, great. Do a race weekend up there, and be it would be easy. It would be so easy.
0: It would be easy. It would. A lot, a lot easier than figuring out what's going to happen in 2024 in the F1 world. Um, or taking out a mortgage to go see Vegas. I know, and the thing is, the people at the bank would be like, You're, you need this money for what? fp2 what is that (laughs) you
1: know i promise it's really important oh
0: my gosh that's the thing the prices i don't think they're coming down anytime soon but um well you saw
1: last year they they dropped the prices like the week of just because they were having trouble uh filling rooms and instead of charging 600 a night they dropped it back to the the regular price of like 200 something
0: it's crazy it's crazy so hopefully i mean it's just across the board. Hopefully F1 becomes a little bit more affordable for fans out there that I want to go so. check out a weekend and um, so the one last thing I want to talk about twenty twenty four before we get out of here is our home team, yep. Haas, finished dead last in the points yes. last year. Um Yeah. What do we no, have to not do not a good time? What do we have to do to get Haas out of the basement in twenty twenty four?
1: What uh, what do we I say um, we like I'm part of the team. <laughs> I think developing our own car would be a good start instead of just borrowing a majority of parts from Ferrari from the previous season. Um, I don't know. I think that until that team truly becomes its own independent team where they do all the design work and they look at the rebel side pods and go, that's the direction we want to go instead of what Ferrari does. I think that's really going to hold them back. Um I mean their first season they finished I think 5th in the constructors. Um so it's kind of just been going downhill. They've had just up and down seasons every year.
0: Yeah. It's I mean
1: their drivers they've got a good lineup and they've got a good They've got great drivers. Uh, it's just it's tough. But I think it's kind of it's kind of like what we saw uh with the Ferrari last year where their qualifying pace was fantastic, but they just dropped like a rock during the race because they just didn't have the tire life.
0: Yeah, I think I think I remember seeing Magnussen and Hülkenberg qualifying pretty well and then, yeah, like you said, just kind of sink like a stone.
1: Over, they, they, over. they got to Q3 so many times, but then they would just sink like a stone, like you said, and they wouldn't score any points. So if they can do what Ferrari did and figure out their tire management – in how to not overwork and overheat the rear tires so easily and prevent grading on the fronts. I think they stand a better chance at holding onto those points positions and actually making a good dent in the constructors championship. But Uh, until that happens, they're going to be cellar dwellers.
0: Yeah. I'd love to see a change. You know, they they need to look to Williams in terms of a turnaround because Williams is really, yes, you know, they've, they've, in the last three years, really turned their their direction around, which is great to see. Um, I'd love to see Haas do that, but again, somebody has to come in last, right? Somebody has to yep has to finish last, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, a little bit more points in twenty twenty four for uh, for Haas, the the only American team on the grid at the moment, and uh, maybe it'll make us a little more proud in twenty twenty four. Yes, but we'll see. We'll see. I
1: I do I do want to toss one question to you before we jump away here um fire away what what race do you think is the most out of place on the calendar
0: the most out of place in
1: terms of just the, the race in general not necessarily like if it's where the location is but just the the race in general like for me, it would be Miami. Oh, I was going to say Miami. I, just, I don't think that that I just don't think that race needs to happen, or it, or it could have been somewhere better. I think the, you know, I think it was a cash grab in a way, and not a great it was. Race. It's not a great, great. It's it's place. not a great race. It's not a great track, and now that they have, they Vegas. tried too hard to sell it as the American version of Monaco. When in reality, that was kind of Vegas's title the entire time. If you really think about it, right, um, right. But they just they tried too hard to do too much with the Miami Grand Prix, and it just just ruined it. it felt I feel. I think that fake. Like it felt
0: it, like it was like it did. Fool's gold It felt something. so fake.
1: Right. O- almost almost forced in a way, you know. Um, exactly. Like they they could have. It's like the project that you you know that if you had really put some effort into it and really put some thought behind it, it could have been an A+. Plus, but you were just kind of like, you know what? That'll do. And you end up with a C. And I
0: wonder if they, you know, knowing Vegas was coming, if, this, if it was always a Band-Aid on the calendar and it's just going to go away at some point? Or if they're going to dump more money into yeah. it and try to make it bigger, you know, if they're going to. It's, You know, and I understand the reasoning, right? It's, Miami is the, is the big city on the East Coast with all the glamour and all the... So I get the idea, but the way they executed it has been so poor that they could just cut that right off it's the been calendar.
1: atrocious. I mean, we don't need any more reason to laugh at these... So called American fans, but then they put in like the, f- the fake marina with the boats on the trailers still uh, in the fake water. That's so embarrassing. That was, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh no, we're just shooting ourselves in the foot at this point. I, th- um, yeah. I promise everybody out there, that's not how all of us are. Some of us like are like even cheesier, <laughs> believe
0: it or not. Some of us are <laughs> even tackier than that, but yeah. It's like, yes, that's this a, is true. You know what? It's like Miami is the, um, is. It's yeah. It's like the knockoff Vegas. It's like trying to be something it's not because no one thinks of it's Miami. a knockoff Monaco. Yeah, yeah. It's true. And in Vegas, yeah. So I, as soon as you said it, I said I thought Miami. And I'm looking at the calendar now, and everyone else deserves their race. Keep them there. You know, you can't, you can't yank the only race out of South America or the only. You know. So I think Miami. Right. Right. It's got to go. I I agree.
1: Plus, you know. In and I'm not opposed to having a third event in the United States. I mean, the United States is massive. So I can, you know, one of our states is the same size as a European country. Right. So it it makes sense that we have at least two races. I would say 3 is definitely the maximum. I don't I don't want to see a fourth one. I think that is overdoing it. Uh so, but to see Miami off the off the calendar and replace with somewhere else I think would be great. I think the problem is just where.
0: Well, so let's play that game. If it's – if thinking they want to keep it on the East Coast because they've got Texas and they've got Vegas. East Coast. What city would okay. you – what city – I mean, in my mind, I think like, ooh, Washington, D.C. would be beautiful, but they're not going to let you bring Formula One to Washington, D.C. Uh, well –
1: it's funny you say that because the American Le Mans series actually had a race on the streets of D.C. Oh wow! Years ago now, um, I I think it was on the streets. Um, I think it was another one of those parking lot races around a stadium.
0: Yeah. See, I was picturing through the monuments but, and up, you know by the White House, but that's not. Happening.
1: I that that would that would have been cool. Yeah, but a <laughs> um, little bit of a security risk. Right. Anyways. Tsunoda's right. <laughs> um, yeah, over the I mean, barrier, and here comes Secret
0: Service. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know.
1: <laughs> it's, but yeah, I mean, as far as on the East Coast, I, I know there's talk about a New York City Grand Prix, which it's like, okay, cool, I get that, but another street track, really? Another street track? Right. Where there's so, m- I mean, there's there's a bunch of purpose-built racetracks that can be used But the problem is they don't have the infrastructure there to be or the safety features to be qualified as FIA grade one, which you would need to host a Grand Prix, which begs the question. I mean, couldn't Formula One just be like, hey, you can keep your track as it is. Let's just improve on the infrastructure that's here let's improve on the pits. I'll you know, we'll give you a little bit of money like we did with Vegas to set up a race there just to get it off the ground and running and go from there. Like Road America would be fantastic, Road Atlanta would be incredible. Watkins Glen as I've mentioned before, although I'm pretty sure that would be a sub 1 minute lap, maybe just over a minute. Um so it's not going to be a, a very quick. long a lap quick. at all. Yeah. It, it's it's a very, I think it would be a very quick lap in a Formula One car. hundred lap race. yeah. But <laughs> I don't know. There's just, there's a bunch of different options out there. And I'd like to just see them entertain or at least do a demo at one of them just to kind of get a gauge of interest in a way.
0: I agree. It feels like they just said, where's the money? Miami. Let's go there. You know, like.
1: Yeah, right. Right. And let's make it as bougie and tacky as possible and make. All these stereotypes about Americans, American, American fans—a dream come true. Uh,
0: it is embarrassing. It is embarrassing, but um, it's interesting. Let's let's follow that through twenty twenty four. Let's let's keep talking. Let's see if people out there listening have any good ideas for where you could replace the yeah. Miami. I mean, there's got to be places. There's got to be places people are thinking of screaming into their to their whatever they're listening to this on, saying it would be perfect in this city. So tell us what city, because. <laughs> um, I'd love to know. I'd love to because you're right. We got it. Miami's no good, and the East Coast has such a rich tradition of racing and car history, and like, there's so yep. many places you could do this that uh, it'd be interesting. If they even, I
1: think that. No, sorry. Go no, ahead. No, no. Go,
0: go ahead. I'm, I'm just rambling.
1: No, so I just had like a thought pop into my head, and I had to get it out. I what do you apologize, got? but if there were to be any street track added in the United States I would have to push for Long Beach where IndyCar does a race and the um the IMSA series does a race there the sports car series I think it would be I think it'd be awesome. I you know Formula 1 has raced there before so they have some history there. It's not just a completely new venue. Um the infrastructure is there. The pits are built up a little bit. I think they would probably have to be built up a little bit more. But I think it would be a great spectacle to see Formula 1 come back to Long Beach.
0: You know, you, you've got me thinking about going up there for the Indy race this year. Um,
1: if you do, you need to tell me because I want to go. If so
0: I, I mean, we should, we should almost put it on the calendar because it's definitely on my list of 2024 checklist of things to do is get up to Long Beach. And, and check that, check that race out the whole weekend last year when, um, when they were in town, the whole weekend just looked like a great time. IndyCar car seems like they do it right. And, um, they really, they put on a good weekend and a good show and, you know, I'd love to get up there and check it out. And I'll give you my opinion on if it's worthy of a formula one race or not, you know, because I have such... Detailed safety knowledge, and you know I know everything that goes into it, right, so. <laughs> but I agree, I think the only drawback with that would be another West Coast race would be maybe yeah, you know, but uh, you know the East coast they can fly out here. you guys can come out here watch some racing on the yeah, west right, coast, you know. Right. so and I mean if no, you're,
1: we've got we've, you know we've got Montreal and close enough to the East Coast anyway, so
0: and if you're ponying up the money to go to Miami, you can probably pony up the money to come out to, to Long Beach at the same time you know so makes sense uh interesting interesting we've got a lot of look uh we've got a lot to look forward to here in 2024 i think um anything else that jumps it's gonna be a good year and it is it's already been a good year as far as i'm concerned it has been um anything else you want to get out there to the people looking forward to 2024 i've kept you a, this might be a record hour and 10 minutes so far
1: oh we're getting i think we're close um no, I mean, I got, I got. A, well, did you get anything Formula One related for Christmas?
0: No, but we are doing a rolling Christmas out here because we have a lot of stuff that got delayed in the mail or ordered or shipped to the wrong place. So we're kind of doing a. I like it. A rolling Christmas, and we're having. A, I hate to say it, but with a new baby, dad dad doesn't get too much for Christmas. I've got to say. You know, the baby gets stuff, mom gets stuff, but dad gets like, you know, here's a coffee machine so you can stay awake all night with the baby, but it's not, not so much about me anymore out here. I wish I did, but as of right now, it's all baby and mommy for Christmas. (laughs) No, but it's been great. I don't mean to sound ungrateful. It's been a really nice holiday, and to be honest, the greatest gift I ever got was that little baby, so there's not much more I could ask for, to be honest. There you have it. Um... But yeah, what about you? Any uh, anything? Any wise uh, words for these for the listeners before we finish our first podcast of 2024?
1: Well, all I gotta say is uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to us throughout the past year. It's been a wild ride, and it's pretty surreal that we're doing this. And it's been such a fun time as well and i mean i've enjoyed every second of getting to talk to you about formula one and seeing your interest grow in the sport and having our every so often chats about it and yeah i know i think that uh, the clock's obviously officially ticking down to preseason testing on the 21st in february which is you know it's right around the corner it's not too far away uh can't so wait. not too much longer that we have to wait until the end of february when the lights out and away we go
0: oh boy race week is around the corner can't wait can't wait i mean if you consider i think we're closer to race week than we are to abu dhabi so that's one way to look at
1: yes that. i think we've gotten to that point which
0: is excellent and i i feel the same way i'm looking forward to to growing and, and talking more about this with you and with everybody out there 2024 is going to be a big year with uh everything we've got going on so i'm just i'm really looking forward to uh continuing down this path with everybody you know and um cheers to that yeah cheers to that and let's what do you say we wrap up this first podcast of 2024 and uh, hit that checkered flag chief
1: i think that's a good idea i think uh everybody out there that's listening to us i hope you have a great evening or a great day or a great morning or whatever it may be when you're finally listening to this and uh we'll see you on the next one
0: all right well take care everybody talk to you next time this has been a funcast production our theme song is sport rock trailer by audio coffee music Check them out at audiocoffee.net. The F1 Funcast is not affiliated with Formula One or professional motorsport in any way, and this podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. Contact us at f1funcast at gmail.com.